Hello, Sorens and Sound. I'm finally back to my origins, or origin adjacent, and that I had uh, Thai tea. Not a coffee, sadly, um, but I'm pretty positive there's caffeine in it. So a caffeinated talk, nonetheless, with something I've been thinking about for a bit, or maybe more aptly, it's just been on like the outskirts of my brain. So that would be the relationship between curation and self-image. And I think probably part of why people can be so obsessive over how they're perceived is, I mean, as much as it's because they want approval, it's also because they want to be understood. And so sometimes you have certain cues so that way, like you engage with a language of material culture um, and you're like, oh, like this clothing. I mean, when it demonstrates that you understand this certain group, even if that is the mainstream, then it's still demonstrating an understanding of the zeitgeist. Um, And however you interpret it will say something about you, and that's how you'll be able to communicate more broadly, and that's a general appeal of not finding a group that maybe you feel suits you more specifically or that you naturally gravitate towards because it just causes more misunderstanding. because less people like know what it's about and on the one hand like that kind of like forged meaning has could have a perceived falsehood there's a softball game I guess if they keep walking I was gonna sit down here um but yeah that kind of like symbolism of I I think I tend to speak specifically in terms of fashion although this could be applicable with language, it could be applicable with anything that someone could perceive. The home, which would be typically like more closely affiliated to people, like friends and family rather than just strangers and the possibility of getting on with strangers. But then again, like depending on where you're from, would you even talk to a stranger? Um, so all sorts of relations. But then again, that just further encodes you into a group, into a niche even if sometimes that group or that niche is a distinct like lack of apparent personality and that's why people will sometimes say like oh you have such personality like so distinct it's so you even though it's just as arbitrary as anything else being popular or being well known if you will and with my own self-image it gets it's funky because I'm someone who's changed a lot, but I don't ever do it in terms of, like, I'm going for this aesthetic, I feel, because aesthetics especially, well, that's another word that's, like, fallen into colloquialism, like, aestheticism isn't quite how it's used in day-to-day language, um, but that's, it's, well, it's right. So I'd say, at least in, like as I've noticed, it's been like, honestly, since Tumblr, Tumblr kind of engendered this use of the word aesthetic. And then that fell into like a more Instagram art thing for like the big niches. But then people, I think that's also a big reason of why people live and die by subcultures because you're like, okay, I've given up being understood by most people I'm gonna meet in this life for the sake of my own expression in this group. And so you just really have to count on those people to understand you. And that's why you'll like 
fighting so hard for what um, a subgroup means to you, why people can get so, like, defensive. Um, so, yeah, slick. But the point is, I've never strived for an aesthetic. The history of the word aesthetic acetate is convoluted. <laughs> and, yeah, has taken on different meanings at different times. But... Yeah, so I've just always been like, oh, like, I like these colors. I'm going to go for these colors a bit. I'm going to go for a more fitted look or less one, less, more oversized. Wow. And that's kind of how I've forged my own path in terms of style, which becomes very individualized to the point where it can be kind of confusing, especially in New York, I feel like as much as New York is like, they accept anybody because you're living in a constant suspension of disbelief. Um, it's even that, it's that much harder to be accepted by a community, if you will, because you can't like gain access that easily. And literally every block, even if a neighborhood like feels like it has a concrete image, every block will have its hyper specificities, which is really cool. <laughs> But then it's hard to, like, that's what they're like, you have to be here for 10 years to be a New Yorker. And even then, sometimes, like, you aren't accepted kind of thing. Because you just, like, really have to work for that because they had to work so hard to get into the group in the first place. Or to really understand the meaning or the depth layers of a general New Yorker identity. Let alone your own streets. <laughs> um, Self-concept. And, yeah, so I... Like, just don't, really. <laughs> like, I I mean, I moved around as a kid. I was always switching schools. So I had no hyper-specific identity other than, the like, literally just wherever I was, wherever my feet were. And so I've just always, like, gone back into myself, always found answers within myself, found my help there. And that's part of being, like, a very <laughs> independent person. But even... Like my mom worked very hard to support us, but as a single mom, that just meant that we didn't always see a lot of each other, especially because I was swimming all the time. So it was that thing, which I believe I mentioned in a pretty early episode, where it was just, it was like even when I was like from school to this sports practice to swimming, it would be the only consistent identity amongst those groups was my own. So I've always felt that I had to work really hard to explain myself to people. And that's why, like, I have this thing where I just will always answer questions seriously, even if I know it's, like, a joking question or if it's rhetorical. I just, like, need to be understood. And I can't count on any of my, like, presentations of identity <laughs> to do that for me. So I just always feel need to, like, take the time to, like, answer a question properly. And it just becomes like a quirk that people in my life accept. <laughs> but I think it could probably get, I don't know, maybe frustrating. Or it can come across as like, I didn't get the joke. So I sometimes have to be like, I get it. I, like, I get what you're saying. But here's like my actual answer to that thing too. Because I've just kind of I've always felt that I need to stay in that mindset of explaining my own self-concept. Which... I think is useful even if like there's times where I find comfort and this goes okay Woo. this goes back to like the lack 
of identity and feeling like lost in that, but then maybe sometimes that's who you are, like someone that just wants to explore and be open. And that's why I very much identify with exploring and being open. But, oh fuck, I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> so even in places where I feel as though like that's a shared identity, like going to Gallatin for school where we all just did our own majors and we kind of just understood that we are in our, on our own hyper-specific journeys. That, so there's that like shared identity of going where the wind takes you a bit. Um, it's still helpful to always kind of question even those tactics, which can get a bit meta, a bit abstract, and to some do like maybe a helpful or like useful um, critique is that, that that could get a little too meaningless or a little too abstract, like I just said, um, which I think would be a valid criticism. Uh, not that anything is innately invalid, but it just, as it pertains to my experience. So I think it's nice to like always stay in a state of, rather than explanation, inquisition, and not in terms of like figuring out I feel like a lot of people will ask questions until the person they're talking to is, like, wrong. But it's more that, like... Okay, so sidestep. Pause. I think that everyone has their own, like, moral relativity, very real thing. We all have our own set of rules that we abide by, and we can call it, like, fairness. We can be like, oh, I'm a very honest person, but you could be, like, <laughs> blunt. Or you could be, like, kind honesty. Like, there's room for expression within named values is different and that becomes like a personal code that everybody lives by even if you are someone who's like neutral that is still a moral personal code um and so I think a lot of people ask questions until they figure out how someone falls on their own moral compass rather than always even trying to do the bare minimum of assessing someone else's set of rules and I think like in a relationship rather than just any passing conversation. You want to know both sets of rules so that way you can then develop your own language together with that and understand, yeah, just that world better, which you operate from. Oh, is this a spider or a fuzzy? I think it's just a fuzz. We'll pretend it is. <laughs> um, sorry about the bag wrestling, but that's how life is. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag? <laughs> oh, God. Horrible vibes. Uh, so sorry, Miss Katy Perry. I actually don't know if I am. If, I don't have to like everybody, and that's okay. I do not like Katy Perry, but that doesn't say anything about her grander soul. Just says that I don't vibe with her celebrity persona. Um, and I feel like, personally, there are bad vibes involved, so it is bit rough that <laughs> the <laughs> shared subconscious could link me to a song so quickly. Oh, someone was walking their cat, which would have been sick, but it's just a small dog. Um, so yeah, sharing language, sharing rules. Ah! I don't know where the spider fuzz went. But I think this is the kind of thing where beauty or appearance can get very heavily moralized and that's where you get into like, like concepts of fat shaming or 
like why people want plastic surgery or why just in general you could have a preference for any particular feature and it's because like it's completely arbitrary like it's <laughs> so important to realize is that it's so arbitrary and that's why body types again this is still this is both recent and not i mean severity is more recent but body types always go in and out of trend but it just used to be a lot simpler of know how to know like if you should be thinner if you should be bigger like that was pretty much always determined by if a country was doing well in terms of like their economy economy also loaded term also different meanings over time um but it's how the country is doing financially. So if it was in like good times, then you could like, you had, you could be thinner. But if it was like if they were struggling, then you wanted to be bigger so that you could show that you had the money to have food. Like it, it was a lot more straightforward for a long time. But now since like the early 1900s, without giving too big of history, because I think I want to do this properly in season three. Um, season three, I think, is just all going to be about sociology of the body. So I just don't want to get too into depth on stuff I'm going to talk about there. But basically, it was only in the 1900s where, like, fitness had to be kind of mimicked instead of being a genuine, like, life necessity kind of thing. Um, and how it became more democratized and more accessible to people and different forms of exercise could then sort of point you in the style of different direction or different like life oh my god different sports represented different lifestyles represented different niches of culture and yes that's what i'm getting at but with each sport this is something i believe i touched on with swimming but a certain body type will help you excel in a certain form of physical exertion for I think obvious reasons and that can differ from a general preferred like physique and so that's where like bodies become intersections of wealth and expression of a sport but at the same time different sports require different levels of financial uh, dedication so even then that still kind of dictates what body types are going to be in favor because they will be representative of a wealthier class, if you will. Um, so it's completely arbitrary is what I'm getting at. What was I going to say after? Who knows? But personally, I feel like so my body has fluctuated a lot in my life, I would say. Um, well, maybe not a lot, because until I was, like, 12, I was just an ultra-skinny stick child because all I did was, like, run outside every day, and I just would, like, forget to eat. Um, or, like, I literally... I, did, I mean, in the first place, I just don't have... Oh, I don't remember the most... There's a bug. I don't remember the most about my childhood in general so that could be why but I just don't remember like what I ate a lot <laughs> like I know I ate a lot of lumpia and um I had a lot of hot cheetos <laughs> and my mom made a lot of Italian food but that's all that I like really remember other than my lunch every day was like a few pieces of pepperoni and a string cheese because I started like I've just always made my lunch and I was a little kid I was lazy I didn't want to think about it 
So I spent the same thing every day, literally until like seventh grade. Like that's just what I ate every single day. Um, you know, so I just don't remember food that much. But then as soon as I became diagnosed with eating disorders and then hyperfixated on biodysmorphia, that's when my body like fluctuated a ton. And it was hard partially because of swimming and my relationship with my body got a lot better after I quit swimming. I mean, probably a fractionally <laughs> resulting from just no longer being surrounded by people that also all had eating disorders and were like, all the language that we used was so loaded. Um, but it was also just like, I stopped working out pretty much entirely and just walked a lot. And then my body stayed pretty much the same. There would be like some fluctuations if I was stressed, if I was like, having a slight identity crisis. It just really, what I'm getting is like the idea of identity and how sure I was within myself would always very much reflect in how I looked. And that's natural because sometimes you just like eat more when you're stressed or you eat less when you're stressed depending on who you are. So it's just normal for your body to fluctuate because nobody has a super solid identity. And that's something, like if I see a celebrity and they've just looked the same for a decade I think maybe that's a bad example because with celebrity celebrity is like the persona that any celebrity presents is a very curated image not that we don't all have curated images but theirs is professionally done they will always have a team a makeup team marketing any of those things PR that all goes behind how they're received how they're perceived everything like that and that makes it easier to have a constant image because you know that the way you present to other people. And that's why sometimes I struggle with people being like, like celebrities are people too, because yes, they are, but at the same time, their entire lives, like is it's geared towards a presentation. And then at what point do you stop differentiating intention versus effect? And it goes back to that boundary to me a lot where it still matters. Like you should still hold people accountable just because it's a persona doesn't necessarily give you, I don't think it should give you leeway. Um, yeah, because if you're an actor, then you play characters. Those are the people, that's the acting you're supposed to be doing, not necessarily with yourself, and it could be easier to cope with fame. But it gets, it gets funky. Also, a little aside from the point, I was just saying that it's impressive when people like stay very consistent and their appearance for a long time because I'm like wow do you just like never question who you are but I get that that's just how like my body expresses it's <laughs> expresses itself <laughs> it sounds very disconnected I'm so sorry about the wind I don't know how to make it better Woo. that was probably loud I'm so sorry <laughs> um but yes but I think it's because of my general, like, nearing disdain for labels when it comes to my own self-concept that that's why I only recently, like, even realized that I had a fairly, like, feminine face or that I'm a fairly, like, feminine-presenting person, um, despite, like, a lot of my clothes. Formally, I, I've, like I said, make, been making active actively striving towards being a bit more feminine but then also like wearing more like workout gear like athleisure so that way I can then like be in the mood to work out um 
but then that becomes a part of self-presentation because you're just seen or perceived more often in workwear and the people attire or athletes are not workwear that's completely different things very poorly spoken um i'm not wearing carhartt to the gym okay um but oh god where did that thought go uh, so I'm not I'm not completely attached to athleisure other than like that's something I want more in my life and so by presenting that way other people can confirm your identity and that way you can confirm it and then you'll want to act on your identity and that's why people always say like if you want to quit smoking or if you want to start doing something you just identify with whatever the verbiage is there so if you want to quit smoking you have to be like oh no like I'm not a smoker like I don't smoke you wouldn't say I'm trying to quit you just say no I'm not a smoker like that's not what I do anymore um and just how you identify with words plays a big part in like how you play out that prophecy um which side note I can't remember if I've talked about I think I did maybe but there's so there's Okay, side note is there's a whole phrase of, like, cheaters always cheat, you know? But in terms of the psychology, that is, like, that is true sometimes, but it depends on if someone cheats and they identify it as, like, a situational thing. If they're, like, oh, like, I was trying to get out, if I was trying to do this, if they make it very much situational then they don't identify with it. They're like, I'm not a cheater. This is just like what happened kind of thing. And I'm not like justifying that. I'm just saying that then those people tend to not, like, not cheat again. Like that tends to not occur. But if then, if someone's identity becomes like, oh, I cheated, like I'm a cheater, then they're going to keep playing it out. Then they won't change. And that's why once a cheater, always a cheater. I guess you could say it's true because if they ever identify with that term in the first place, then yeah, they stay that way. Um... I thought I could really stick to the structure, and that's why I hesitated so much going into the side note. So I was like, that feels wholly unrelated, even if conceptually it's just the same kind of psychology. But that's okay. Um, so I realized that I'm, like, more feminine. And I was like, oh. And now I want to play into that more. And I've been noticing whenever, like, an article of clothing is a bit more masculine or a presentation of mine might be a bit more masculine, I'm like, oh this doesn't feel quite so aligned with me anymore. I want to, like, actively be more feminine, I guess. And I just did, like, <laughs> you know, how there's those filters on social media where if you're, like, looking through reels, you're looking through whatever, you can do the filters. And there was one about, like, um, archetypes of makeup. And it was just like, oh, like, try this if you're bored. And so I was like, I'm going to look. I want to know what archetype of makeup I should do. And it said, like, French girl. And I was like, you know, like, that mu that music, <laughs> hello, that makeup probably would, like, suit me. Like, I I'll probably try that when I go home. Um, but it kind of said, like, the text, like, the adjective they used was elegant. And I was like, yeah, like, what's stopping me? Like, yeah, I'm elegant. Let's, let's do that. So now I'm, like, elegant, feminine. And there's also, I don't know her name for the life of me, but there's this girl on TikTok. I don't know if she still does these videos, but she would like classify every celebrity into like their style with three words. And I think she did a great job with that. And I was really struggling, like whenever those videos first started getting popular, probably like a year and a half ago, I tried really hard to figure out what my words were. 
and I just couldn't, but I feel as though I've been organically kind of stumbling upon them. And the great thing about words is that people will get really hyper, I love that word today, I guess. People will get very attached to, or prefix rather than word, um, to those concepts and they won't let themselves change when they need to. And I think that's part of why I've always struggled with labeling myself is because I feel as though it is then harder for me to continually question if that is still something I abide by because I never want to hold myself to old standards. And I always just want to push myself with whatever new information I gain and I don't just want to live in the past, live in an old narrative, live in old decisions. But I do think it can be helpful for project for progressing. Um, and not that life is all about progress, but in terms of like a journey of self, which I think is just fun. And so in this way, it's like, oh, I can try to be all these things by simply identifying with them. And it's okay if I don't identify with it forever. And if you ever feel stuck, literally, if you ever feel stuck, just kind of think about like what truths you say about yourself. If you're like, oh my God, I'm so annoying. And you've, if you've been like struggling with whatever and you're like oh I haven't been reaching out to my friends as much I wonder why and then you realize like the little voice in your head is like oh my god I'm so annoying nobody wants to talk to me stop identifying with that and then you'll talk to your friends and the thing is like with that example specifically I mean it came to mind because that's just how I used to be (laughs) Um, but after a certain point like it gets old trying to tell people how to feel about you almost you're like oh I think I'm so annoying so you should too it's like when people can't accept compliments because they can't just accept that another person has a different set of views and it can even go so far as to be like oh like you think this nice thing about me that must mean you don't know me and it's like no they know you and they see the side but they like doesn't mean someone doesn't know you it just means they don't apply the same rules to yourself that you do And it's like how we're usually our own worst critic kind of thing. But with being like, oh, I'm so annoying. One, you probably aren't. The annoying part is saying that over and over to yourself. You're probably, and that's probably part of why you're sick of yourself is because you're just so mean all the time. You don't have to be, just be nice to yourself. And then you'll be like, oh, I'm great to be around because you will be for yourself. Do things for yourself, babes. (laughs) Um, so yeah, just stop. Oh, what was I going to, how was I going to phrase this? But with, well, it's just kind of telling the other party what they should believe about you. And not even because you will, I'm not even saying that you'll act annoying because that's a relative term in and of itself. Um, like you reaching out, you could be like, oh, I'm annoying them by like, being supportive but at the same time like you want that from them you want someone to reach out to you so why would that be annoying if you participate in the same action and it also like it just assumes that the other person can't communicate their own feelings and I think that because so many people I mean statistically like in terms of MBTI most people are ISTJ or no ISFJs yeah or ESFJs, the like FJ combo takes on a lot of like perception of others and there's a lot of assumption that's undergone. And so people it can be like, oh, am I missing like this social cue? Am I whatever? And I think that it's gotten to the point that people over rely on their own presumptions 
they could be like, oh, I think that like this thing I'm going to do is gonna annoy them because it did one time. And it's like they could have been having a bad day, and that's not really an excuse to take things out on someone. But it could like you don't also allow people room to grow, and you should just kind of count on your friends, like hold them accountable to say if something's bothering them. You know, you don't always have to decide that. On the, in their place you can just show up as yourself you can just show up as two people and if in the moment something's like oh like maybe don't call your friend annoying but you're like oh could you like not uh, make that chewing sound so like so loudly um, or something I, that was a horrible example I don't know why that was the first thing that came to mind but you could just like gently be like oh like could you like do like do this somewhere I don't know I, I really thought I could come up with a better example but I think you get the point it's just counting on them to tell you in the moment and this goes back again to the like communicating rules it's like you're assuming someone else's rules for them when in reality they're probably your rules that you're saying everyone else should have because you have some like moral supremacy where you're like oh surely my rule makes the most sense so everyone will abide by it but no, like, sometimes just give people the chance to tell you theirs, tell you how they operate. And then you can remember that if they, like, explicitly tell you. And, but that's part of communicating. That's part of building deeper relationships. So give people room to change. Don't assume things. Sometimes identifying those things can help you to propel yourself forward. Um, so, yeah, big, big sleigh. I don't know, but I'm excited to explore my forms of self-presentation, and yeah. I do also want to add quickly, or maybe just expand a bit upon the idea of, like, what you do as a perception then of your values and who you are and how that, like, is completely astray, and this is, again, something I've touched on because I don't really fit into like one stream of interests and I just like to do whatever I like to do I don't necessarily keep in line um with any genre (laughs) or archetype per se but I would also like to point like it's so arbitrary and just keeps stereotypes being stereotypes really great grammar for me today my grammar's been atrocious i've been really struggling with words but i really wanted to talk through this um a bit uh but i'll be like people are like oh what are your hobbies and i like to go on walks i like to read books i like to listen to music and watch movies and if you ask me like oh what genres where do you do your walks it i'm like oh it just depends on my mood i like what i like and it's the kind of thing where it's just not the most helpful answer and that's why i think it can be fun like expanding upon style to have your own three words for all of those things and so oh in like december i started this list of things that i like and i feel like any combination of things from that list could give you a really good mental image of like the kind of energy I bring to everything. Um, So I like keys, um, clovers, and silver. So like, there's a vibe, maybe. I like moss, I like kites, (laughs) no?
Um, so it's kind of also playing with language and images evoked and the kind of feeling that something like that could bring about for a person. And I just don't think it has to stay limited to its own name. Um, so, yeah. Woo. <laughs> I was going to have more, but I think we'll call it a day. I probably spoke a little fast. It was probably a little incoherent, but I'm pretty happy with this. I wanted to do another on-the-fly episode, but I think it was fairly structured. I think that I came back to most of my points, if not all, and I don't think the wind was too bad. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if you dare, and I will see you somewhere. <laughs> but on a real note, going forward for the rest of the season, oh, I think I decided that I want to have a bunch of guests on, specifically my friends, to just talk about whatever they want for an hour. And I think it could be cool because I realize that there's sometimes like barriers to conversations and it'll be like kind of results in just quick catch ups with people because they you maybe want to get like the bases covered rather than go in depth like what I said last time or even this time where I'm just touching on things that I want to expand upon later. And I'm going to take the third season to expand upon the overlap, which is sociology of the body for me. Um, of my main interest but I was like oh maybe I could just give my friends like an hour to tell me about something in depth that they feel like they've just always had to like kind of gloss over uh, because that's their interest and so I think that could be an interesting thing for this season so just trying to coordinate those sessions and I wanted to like I felt a need to do something in the meantime I was like I need to be productive I need to keep this role going because otherwise I'm going to get like I've realized that it's hard to coordinate than I thought because not everyone's always as free as me <laughs> um, so I recorded this and I will hopefully record a session the first one the first interview this weekend just with whoever can do it first but I'm excited for you to meet my friends the nameless entities which have maybe become a singular icon throughout the first season second season can meet them all the third season you go into my interests all against your will um i think now is a particularly helpful time to make sure that i do the check-ins every episode because it kind of used to be just like oh whatever in my day brought about a thought i would expand upon (laughs) and now there's less of that like processing of my day-to-day life and this is for me at the end of the day this is me to get better at talking and get better about telling stories about my life and my friends are a big part of my life so that's part of why I want to do that and just kind of even maybe even have a meta-analysis of how we talk to one another um but I want to stay grounded in that initial what is the word (laughs) manifesto I don't know Um, but I wanna yeah just keep this close if you will rather than let it become its own thing too much which I channel time into and that'll probably make it a little fuzzy but that's fine it's always been a little fuzzy 
so are my cats question mark I don't know where I was going with that um but have a great day sitting on a little picnic bench the trees are protecting me from the bright sun it's a lovely day I believe it's 27 degrees celsius um I saw some pine cones falling in the area I'm a little afraid I'm gonna bonked soon so I'm gonna eat my red bean bao read uh my plan was to sit down and force myself to read but then I spoke um and then I'll go on a walk go to the gym and watch a movie and that'll be my day really wish that I had friends in North Carolina so I'm not working this weekend um my mom's not here but I'll find something to do I suppose okay oh and I decided that so at the end I had two professors that were good friends in undergrad and at the end of every class they would say love beams and because I felt I was like I don't know. Now that I'm telling my friends about the podcast, the I love you feels a little too... <laughs> like, I do love them, but it just feels a little weird now. Um, uh, a little different. And so I think I'll just say love beams at the end of every episode. So, love beams. Woo! I just got passed by a power walking duo. I've been waiting for them to pass me so I can record because I kind of want to talk about the idea of like I've talked several times now about how with any relationship platonic, romantic, whatever there's you, there's them and then there's the synergy and the synergy is kind of what I've been referring to this time of like bridging your rules in life and building new ones and Daniel Sloss legend forever watch jigsaw as soon as humanly possible Uh, his version of that is like we all have puzzle pieces we all have priorities and as much as you'll have a partner piece or you'll have a piece for friends or you'll have a piece for this person or that person a person isn't a piece everybody's their own puzzle and that's why you have to make a puzzle with somebody and sometimes like for lesser relationships it'll be less complicated it'll be like with coworkers or people where it's just touch time, you'll only have a couple of pieces and it'll just be about like what you do in the day to day and knowing enough to like ask them questions about the rest of their life and being a little support or a little like whole puzzle to count on in the meantime. And it just gets more complicated if you're someone who wants like a life partner, um, whether that be a romantic or platonic life partner. Because for me, like I want, oh my gosh, I want all of my friends in my life for as long as humanly possible. So to me, like all of my relationships that I put time into, they're like for life or that's my goal always. And that's the kind of effort I'll put in. So, sorry, the motorcycle is really annoying. Um, So I just wanted attention. Um, Oh, threw me so off track. But it's the kind of thing where I was, like, going... I, because I brought up, like, the cheating psychology thing. I was thinking about cheating. And something that happened when I was, like, sitting at a table with my cousins and everything. I was, like, there's so... As soon as you get married, have a kid, and you have such an intricate puzzle, such an intricate life built up. And people... Like, growing up, I knew this girl whose dad had a family in 
one city and a family in the other, I was friends with the one girl near where I lived. And then I was like there when they realized he had this whole other family. And it's kind of, I mean, if you're going to such lengths, then of course you're the kind of person that identifies as a cheater because you're like, you have to in order to have that kind of split self um, and have such, and have three puzzles you're micromanaging so that you don't accidentally slip into another puzzle at the wrong time. And that's the kind of like extreme uh, <laughs> like mindset that I mean maybe the person wants to like prove it to themselves that they could do this. There's a um what's it called? Field hockey game that I'm passing. So have fun with the music for a bit. <laughs> um, it sounds like everything I mean not to sing. Um, because I unfortunately sing along to everything. And I've been singing at work this whole time. But every once in a while, like the last like two days, I will dance a little bit and then I'm horrified. Because that's where I draw the line. Me dancing, that's for close, close friends. People that are near and dear to me. For having a meal, of course I'm going to do a little dance without thinking about it. But doing it at work, that's something else. Okay, the music's passed. I'm good. Um, but yeah, it's just so amazing that people will uh, just <laughs> completely... I, I don't know how you do that. I was sitting on the table and I was like... I, I look at my cousins and all the work they put in. Like, And it was just the sheer like the force and numbers of all these like newborns and newlyweds. And I was like, damn... How the fuck do people cheat? It seems like that's so much effort. And at a certain point, it, it's not an accident. And I get that people will sometimes stay because they feel like the work they've put into that shared puzzle is just so great. But to me, it's like, there's not really a point in saying just because you've put so much work into a puzzle because, I, like, not to excuse this, but maybe part of the problem was that people are like, okay, we finished the puzzle we treat this as the holy grail for the rest of our lives. And you don't, by doing that, you don't give the relationship time to morph as like other parts, even if you don't have a kid, like you're going to get older. You're going to have different career paths. You're going to, other things will move and shift. And if you're expecting this one thing to stay the same, you're expecting the dynamic to be the same. That's so foolhardy. And at the same time, if you're expecting one person to build the shared puzzle for you, is it really like, is that your thing? Then is that like something both of you did? And it doesn't have to be 50-50 constantly because sometimes one person will be under more stress and can contribute more to like... And this is a kind of like self-image where it's not necessarily for anybody else because unless you're, you are the kind of couple where you're so codependent that the shared puzzle becomes all that either of you are. Um... But, yeah, no, so if that becomes all that you are, then the way you look as a couple becomes an extension of your self-presentation to people will control how their partner looks, what they do, how they dress, all of that. And, like, you could help them find themselves, and you can help your partner become themselves outside of their relationship and manifest in those ways, um, be, like, in the way that a friend would probably do. And that's why friendship is such an important part of relationships. 
is because that's really how you allow someone to like stay as an individual and it is important especially in like the first I like six seven months of a relationship that's when you're really just literally as much as that can feel like the end all be all when you're in those months that's just the beginning that's laying the foundation of like getting to know someone how you interact with them on some base level but the thing is you can't even cling to that knowledge because people change the puzzle changes um and you always have to check in to make sure that you're still working towards the same thing that you're still trying to build the same puzzle you know somebody gave me the dirtiest look because i let them pass i was like i heard someone on my feet i'm gonna let you go she made the dirtiest look so uncalled for um but yeah so just not always forced then people be like you've changed or that's such a trope in movies i've never really experienced that because like yeah no shit people change it's like if you're someone i think honestly to some degree if you say that that just means you haven't been there so top of the fifth oh it's softball whoops oh but this is a different field um top of the fifth bitch but basically if you are suddenly one day like oh my god this person's changed that means that whole time that they were morphing every single day you weren't there for it you were living in some false notion of them you're living in a story of them that you told yourself so that you didn't have to think about change you didn't have to treat them like a person you could write them off as being known i honestly think that's why like a lot of relationships don't work is because people will just kind of like i uh, i think it's partially just because the kind of person i am where i'm like i don't like excuses i don't like this or that and sometimes to me like ending things with people is hard because I mean just hard in general but I'll always feel like it's me who didn't do enough if I'm the one leaving because I'll be like oh I don't think this part of the relationship like I don't think we just like mesh in this area and I'll be like okay so what can I do to make us mesh have I talked to them about it have they respected that and you know sometimes it's hard to be like you you can pinpoint any issue you can work on it and then still go with like for me personally it always feels like it's my fault that it didn't work but then that's also selfish and it takes on this other person's role and it can erase them from it and because it's like oh i have this problem it's like no if you have a problem with our shared puzzle then we both have a problem because maybe that's a part like the puzzle piece that's like not fitting is maybe it's my rule that came in that's just like maybe it's just incompatible with that person's rule and you can like question how you present your rule you can question how you did how you could make it fit and how you could make it work because identity like can fluctuate but sometimes a thing is a belief you cling to because it's not something you've worked through yet and maybe you can work through it, but maybe it's just something like you want there. And then to me, in some ways, I'm like, oh, I love this person. Surely I can just work through it or I can just get rid of this stuff, like self. But then kind of where do you draw the line? And then do you become the only person living in the shared puzzle? And then 
is it empty? But <laughs> does that, and I'm like, and in general, that's usually the point where I'm like, okay. Ah, uh, there's a puppy. That's the point where I'm like, okay, I'm out. Like, for not both contributing, for not both into this, then, uh, like, everything else aside, it's just, if I feel a bit soulless, then how could that not affect you? So it's like, and maybe that becomes backwards, maybe that becomes deciding something for someone else, but I'm like, I feel dead inside. <laughs> so, um, I don't know how you could feel good, or if nothing else, I don't know how I can contribute to this relationship better. And so, it's hard. But then, what I was saying, sometimes, get to that point, I'm like, okay, I'll just like keep destroying everything about myself. And that's why so many people, like specifically the ones that will like cling on something until the end, once you've started sacrificing, there's like a sunk cost, if you will, where you're like, I've just put so much work into it. And that's something I've seen a lot lately on social media too, where people talk about recovering more from a bruised ego than from a loss of love after breaking up with somebody or like having a friend break up or anything because you're like, I couldn't, that's exactly what I'm talking about, where it's like, I couldn't make this work. What does this say about me that I've failed? And it's like, it doesn't say anything. Why aren't you thinking about the relationship with the person? Why is this the end all be all? And so it's one of those things where it comes full circle and being able to <laughs> intellectualize what's going on can be so detrimental. Um, as much as it can sometimes help to further a relationship. And also help end it. Ah! And my silly little brain just wants to go and like Oh, let's tinker every part. And then, ah, so silly. Sometimes I'm so silly, is what I'm saying. Uh, how do you work on the working on things? Like, how do you, I'm like, oh, I need to work on not working on things. What's up with that? Um, I know that it's not that hard and that I'm making it sound more intricate than it is because it just like, if you're the kind of person for the longest time every night before I went to bed I'd be so lost in thought I'd be like oh my god like this like I, I have this on my mind oh my god let me go look up this thing let me like clean my room and I got to one point where I was like you know I'm just gonna not I'm just gonna go to bed like if you just decide and so that feels like this kind of situation where now I'm like oh I could keep working on things and I just have to tell myself go to bed mentally Look at this tree in front of you. See something. Instead of writing off the... Going back again to, like, my relationship with the place. Stop writing off the world around you. Stop deeming everything as understood. And trying to, like, grovel and explore through. And call that an intellectual pursuit. Because it's not necessarily... <laughs> uh, my favorite tree. I love her so much. She's so beautiful. Every day. I love her so much. Wow. Uh, be in awe of nature for a bit, you know? Uh, and sometimes the not thinking about those little nitty-gritty things, being present, it'll just naturally occur. And I think that's where it's rough, is if you're just two people, like, I guess it's a cliche, but if you're just two, like, busy people, or if one person's busy, 
And so if one, if one person's busy, the other one has time to think about everything. And then there's always going to be that off balance. But if you're two people that are busy and you have to work so hard to even find time for each other, then you're kind of always going to want to attempt to optimize. And then that just results in you never being present with the other person. Or there's, yeah. If your base isn't like that shared presence, that shared like being tuned in to what they're doing and how the other person's feeling. If this is like the kind of relationship for you that is, I'm not saying this is how every relationship has to be. It's just if you're someone who wants like a one life partner, if you're very whatever. But I think that's also how people will get into relationships and then stop seeing their friends. And that's not what you want. I, I believe so heavily in nurturing your friendships always. And it's just about finding that flip. And that's the kind of thing where then maybe logistics is important. But I don't know. It's funky. Things are funky. Just be present. And some that's why people are like, sometimes the love isn't enough. Because the rest of your life, the logistics, the busyness, and having to fight for being together having to fight for your puzzle, always having to optimize. What are you even optimizing? That's when you're kind of getting into like the semantics of, oh my God, this, this article of clothing is the epitome of this aesthetic. And then someone else is like, no, this one is. And it's just, at that point, it can get into like, what, the, what are you talking about? It's like, what you're saying literally is contentless because of the level at which you're analyzing it and you've so removed it from its source and what it's meant to represent that it's kind of like what are you like what are you fighting for other than like you know you love the person and that's why you're trying sometimes the trying's a funky thing ah life's crazy life is crazy and this is all about the little rules we make for ourselves and that's why I always want to question the rules so that way can always be present and I this is the loosest sourcing of information a friend read a book and told me about it but it's like kids kind of don't always they can be like really great innovators because they don't quite understand like systems or how they're supposed to work and they're still developing like pattern recognition but if they don't know like the canonical system that something is supposed to follow, then they'll like recognize something differently or see a different overlap. That kind of different overlap is exactly what Galton does. Slay, we're all children. Um, <laughs> but in a cool way, thank you, not that kids aren't cool, that was kind of a weird choice word. Um, <laughs> anyway, moving quickly past that, kind of not that quickly. I'm going to shut up on that, but keep talking about other things. <laughs> the things I went before, not even other things. But, so they'll recognize patterns. Oh, God, it's the train of thought. This is what happens when I'm, like, trying to judge myself, trying to buffer judgment, trying to be, um, like, have my meaning understood. Just throw it to the wind. No one knows what they mean anyway. Just be as genuine as you can, always. And if someone ever criticizes you for being genuine, who gives a fuck? You know, 
let them deal with their convoluted lies to self. Uh, life must have been hard for them if they feel like they can't be earnest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I said it. Okay. <laughs> and... Okay, I really don't remember where I was coming from with the whole kids. Oh, well, kids are yeah, working as patterns differently. But if you, like, just stay in that state, which I try to, of just only recognizing patterns, not just going into the depths of any participatory system, then you can see the overlaps a lot differently. But most people will, like, eventually learn the rules of the road and stick to them. This is me saying why I'm a speedy driver. <laughs> My excuse for it. Sorry about the wind. Um, but yeah, so most people will stick to their rules, go into the minutia, and that's when you end up overanalyzing the shirt puzzle instead of just going and like, instead of just observing the world with somebody, moving through the world with somebody you kind of lose the beauty of like this is so special like you're your own person they're their own person you get to keep doing that and you get to keep curating like a wonderful life together you get to keep looking at this puzzle figuring out how the pieces go um that's so cool it's so exciting you'll obviously have different specialties and someone could point out and be like oh i think that this like is grouped over here this looks like the sky or this looks like the moon whatever the fuck is in your puzzle and then someone else could be like oh they could be better with like specific pieces they could be like oh, we've been missing this one for a while and it's great but even with those kinds of like groupings sometimes the individual person like the mind will change and the, you could both for a while be good at finding individual pieces and that's how you go through like stages of somebody just being excited about making the puzzle, about the process, babe. Oh my God, life's about the journey. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I got my point across. Um, just have fun curating things with the people in your life. Respect them for who they are. Respect your process. Stand your ground when it's your rules, but don't do so in a way that neglects them or is defensive. Do in a way that's like open and caring and trying to communicate and trying to be understood. So that way we can all love each other a little better. Love beams. <laughs> also, so quickly, I think that's why I have like I'm kind of notorious for knowing when people have broken up because like if I follow them on social media, I know the people's like patterns. Like I know how their joint puzzle presents. And my mind will just, like, click and be, like... Uh, like, it'll like, subconsciously be expecting something. Like, I'm not actively tuned in to, like... Like, I don't give enough of a fuck to be tuned in. But I'll just be like, huh. Like, I haven't... I'll just, like, really... I'll be like, oh, this person hasn't posted in a while. About, like, their significant other or this, like, friend. And then you look and all the pictures of that person will be removed. And you're like, I knew it. And that's just, like, my own subconscious pattern recognition tipping in me like <laughs> this happened um because i look like i like people are the coolest things so kind of fun kind of funky kind of fresh so just know if you've broken up i know about it and similarly uh i've tried to like tap out of this but when i was in high school i was just so like it was like the thing to just be so tuned in to everyone's like little release I'm like these are like I don't give a fuck about a soft launch who who cares you know um 
and those kind of cues like if someone's like trying to be like shady or backhanded like I don't care about that I just use it for like the fun tea not that breakups for other people are fun those hard and sad um for me I'm like oh my god like I think this happened like I feel like a little sleuth a little spy and it has nothing to do with me so I'm sorry for training my periphery people like a little game you would do it too and I'm sure you do but I don't know if I post enough for that to actually mean anything but anyway like I'll always I'll notice things that I don't always want to notice and then I investigate and then I get my feelings hurt all the time about things it's rough um why (laughs) so enthusiastic sometimes it's a little jarring but at the same time it's kind of nice to be so the it's a good kind of jarring it's disrupting a pattern of my whole life my throat chakra has been fucked up i don't speak up for myself i don't talk about things and i'm finally feeling so confident i'm like it's one of those things where i'm like oh like if you want to spend time like i again any relationship like familial platonic romantic i'm just so self-assured and so confident in myself as an individual that I'm like, yeah, everybody else should be too. And we all rotate in our lives in different ways. And I don't, and it's also, I think, an extension of like the really hard work, the thing I really drilled in myself of not taking things personally. And then also like the whole foregoing ego in the kitchen to like, for a collective, for like, sick of getting through things. and. If it sometimes that means that I will just be like I won't stop to explain myself. I like I that's a big been a big thing. It's like I'm not gonna sit there and waste time explaining every little thing. Sometimes you just have to be like, okay, I'll just do it. I'll do it. Whatever you just said, I'll do it that way next time, and vice versa. And even like within any order of command, if you will, and things are just hectic. You're just gonna like do what makes sense. You're just gonna want to like work as a team and not have such and ego about things not be so defensive so that and so you won't cling to your rules as much you'll just be a little cog in a system and that's fun and fresh so you know and i think it's also partially the throat chakra is just like related to that more metaphorical stuff but i also just have to like yell more and i literally didn't know how to yell in like a friendly way like my the first few weeks whenever I tried to talk loudly I'd be like this order's ready or calling out for something in the back (laughs) it was was brutal I sounded like a little squeaky mouse and now my most esteemed co-worker (laughs) he keeps calling he's like you're like a little lion cub you're finding your roar I'm like yeah I am um, and these other times, I was like, keep in mind, I'm still a cub. I can mess up sometimes. Um, but anytime I, I speak, like, I just, like, with a clear voice, like, I can just project, I can project my voice now. I literally couldn't do that for 22 years. Because I can be such a meek and mellow individual. Even when I'm being, like, a little fun person, having that, like, dancing with my friends when I eat a meal, like doing silly little things that break convention that require some degree of confidence. Um, I was confident, but I just didn't want to take up space. Didn't want to whatever. And now I realize that sometimes I'm happy. That can just be helpful to others. And kind of weird that I needed 
it's be helpful to others to ever learn how to speak audibly <laughs> and to even want but I'd also be misconstrued to not think that this active attempt at finding a voice using it speaking in a day on this podcast though that's also very much a part of it but considering it's having with my job like I have I have to wonder a little bit if maybe it was a part of that maybe like being the little lion cub maybe that sparked this I don't know okay I'm done for real I swear